You're listening to the voice of Howard Stern. Hello, you rotten little bloodsucker. This is Alice Cooper. Hey, this is Justin from NSYNC. This is Rodney Dangerfield. Uh, hey, baby. Hello, the King. Oh. Hi, this is Jack. Just back up from the border for a short visit. You know what I'm talking about, pal? Hi there and welcome to another edition of The Horse's Mouth. You're in The Horse's Mouth and my name is John Teague. Well, whoever you are out there, lost on earth, or maybe not lost on earth, but whoever you are out there, whether you're lost or not on earth, thank you so much for joining me. I say lost on earth because um, this week I had the good fortune of speaking with none other than Ollie Giorgio. Now, Ollie um is the he was he's the founder he is the journalist he's the photographer um he has created a magazine which started off i think um as crunch time and then moved to lost on earth and is now under the publication of mindhead um now if you go to mindhead.com bigcartel.com, you can buy Ollie's magazines um, or merchandise and help support him on his journey. Um, he, he's a, a guy that I, I just love it. He, he has created a magazine and he it's got so big that it's, he's able to support himself. He's a family man and he's got this amazing publication and, and it's driven on art and culture. And, and if you're like me and you like having something visceral, like a, a, a real thing, something that you can open and flick through and be visually stimulated. And I, I like, I'm, I, the more that we move into this digital world, the more I am driven to things that are real, like seeing a photograph on a wall. I love seeing uh, a magazine on the table and picking it up and sitting on the couch and flicking through. I love um, anything that pulls me out of my phone, out of a screen and puts me into touch with, you know, what is real around us. I, I love, especially if it's driven in an artistic sense. Um, so yeah, Ollie, uh, came over and had a chat and I just had a, <laughs> I had a great time talking to Ollie. I love Ollie. I love, ch- I love talking to him in the car park. He's just such good energy. I love seeing him in the surf, yoga, wherever I bump into Ollie, it, it's always a good vibe. So Ollie, except for the other day when I rang him and I think he's down for the count with the um, the spicy cough and he's under the crunch to get his latest publication out. So I'm feeling for you, Ollie, and I hope you're doing much better. Um, yeah, so anyway, look, I hope you enjoy my chat with Ollie, okay? Uh, uh, yeah, I, I won't go on too much. It's it's a We, we covered a lot of territory and it wasn't all, um, you know, based around the magazine. It's like what shapes a human being? Uh, I, I'm just so interested in what shapes someone to to push them in the direction to follow their heart. And I know I use that word and you probably roll your eyes and go, shut up. But it, I, I, for me, I find it fascinating and I love it, you know, because anyone that steps out from the, the, the norm and, and goes on their own journey uh, I, I, it's, it's brave in a modern world. It's always brave, but it, lately it, it, it's extra brave, I, I think. Anyway, um, nonetheless, I hope you enjoy our chat. Now, one, just one little thing. I, I've noticed, I noticed this the other day. When I grew up, mooning was a big thing. You moon someone, you know, you moon your mates, you moon strangers in cars flying by. Mooning was this thing and it was just like the, such a good laugh. I loved it. And it it's like 
seemingly gone by the wayside. I just realized this the other day, driving back from Melbourne, I, you know, I, I, what flies into my head on that drive, I don't know, but it flew into my head that no one moons anymore. And I think it's a sad state of affairs in our modern culture that mooning is lost. And I'm sure it's like perceived these days as some sort of like sexual assault or something. Like, I don't know. But there's a reason why the moon has disappeared. And I don't know what to do about it, but start mooning fucking crew (laughs) willy-nilly. I don't know. I don't know why why I brought this up, but it occurred to me and I was talking to Virginia about it and she she confirmed mooning's gone. Um, bring back the moon. I hope you enjoy my chat with Ollie. All right. I'll see you on the other side. Wait till you hear two hours of crap. A complete and total barfarama. Momo did the Rising Tides program, that WSL, because, you know, Bells is starting, or the window opens today. Yeah. And um, they put out an invite, I think it's through through WSL, Surfing Vic, Talk keyboard writers sort of send out an email like, hey, who wants to be involved? And uh, basically the CT, a lot of the CT surfer ladies take out the, the groms for a, for a paddle. It's just seriously, there's no real structure to it at all. It's just fun. They don't sit them down and go, all right, what you need to do in the future to take over the world is this. There's none of that. It's just 100% good vibes. And I think it like, interestingly, like I could see in the dynamics not that they're all at each other anyway, but all the all the girls are out, like, you know, Courtney and Brissa are, like, crossing over on a wave, like, with big smiles on their face, having a laugh, or, you know, people are pushing people. They're all talking. All the guard yeah. was down. It was yeah. just good. Good energy. Was Momo frothing? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, she's kind of always frothing, but... Yeah, that's true, but yeah. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Um, but like, could you imagine getting that experience? I can't imagine getting that experience as a kid with your idols. Does she idolize these, these ladies? Yeah, hundred percent for sure. Girls, ladies. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So that's just such an, uh, that's a beautiful thing. Mm. Is it like when the the kids run onto the oval and the footy? Yeah. Which is like a kind of, it's kind of, that's kind of gone now. Like I'm of that age where. Can I ask how old you are? I'm 44. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so I was born in 78. And my, my, um, my father's side of the family, they live in Hawthorne. They're from Hawthorne. Well, they're not from Hawthorne, but they've spent their time in Australia in Hawthorne. My dad was, he grew up there. And so I got lucky to, especially at that time, to be a default Hawthorne supporter. Yeah. And during that time, it's the same thing as, as what happened yesterday, where when they did those Glen Prairie Road clinics, they weren't security guards. It wasn't all, no one was a, they were superstars, I guess, but not like that. You could go up and Dipper would get you in a headlock. Dipper. Or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you could go and kick the footy with Tucky or whatever. Like all that stuff was, oh my God, was Michael like Tuck. yesterday. Yeah. Long sleeves. Yeah, yeah, 44. <laughs> <laughs> the rat. Um, there was full access. It was very. Oh, no, the rat. Who yeah, was, yeah. The rat was the different guy with the long hair. He wore long sleeves though. Oh, he did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Who was the guy, the taller guy with the long sleeves? Oh, am I getting it wrong? Johnny Platten's the rat and Johnny Michael Pl- Tuck. Yes. He, they both wore long sleeves. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I'd hand passed with both of them. Anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah, no. You just blow me away with a bit of nostalgia no, no, here. No, no, no. I'll, I'll just, um, I'll just uh, morph them both into one in a funny memory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I both had but you, curly okay, hair. Being, being um, a 70s born as myself, mm. we're afforded a bunch of freedoms that children probably don't have today. No, 100%. Like, I mean... 
the terrain shifts continuously. Like life is in flux. Everything is always all right. Wherever we are or whoever, wherever we're at in our lives, we can always look at where people are at in their lives of our yesteryear age and go like, all oh, right, well, it, it used to be different, but they've got something else going. Like there is always some different kind of freedom depending on how you interpret it. But the freedoms we had was very much like, I think like, you know, we weren't surveilled, like we weren't being filmed, we weren't being tracked, we weren't being, if your parents wanted to find you, they'd have to like come out in the car and be looking for you or whatever. So, uh, and, uh, you know, I... Ring landlines. Has anyone seen... (laughs) (laughs) Hasn't been at this house. No, (laughs) I don't know. No, no. (laughs) You know, even that whole funny thing of like, he could be like, oh, I'm staying at so-and-so's house and... You know, everyone just says that to everyone else's parents. And yeah, yeah. No one's anywhere. <laughs> You're in a bush or something. So, w- was that um, for you? Were you up to that? Sneaking out? Not, no, not so much. Like, I mean, I had like my my sort of childhood definitely wasn't wasn't like that. But we were down here a lot from when I was really young, um, on weekends and school holidays and whatnot. And being down here, there was definitely, like, there was no need to sneak out. My parents were, didn't care. We'd be out on the beach at Aries, like, having fire every single night that we were here. And, you know, up before the rest of the family out going looking for waves or having to grovel. And I don't think we needed to, like, I, I never felt like I've, I've had a pretty free upbringing. I've never really been helicoptered over, so. Parents are pretty liberal? Yeah, yeah. What, what, were, you, what were your parents what were they up to? My old man, um, he, he, this is a deep, so he worked on the rigs, which is interesting when you did the Timmy. Timmy's um, interview, like, it was like, well, you know, that's, you know, he said he's, he's chopping out from sale. My dad used to do that in the eighties and my dad did saturation diving. So that they'd, they'd fly out and they'd compress them, you know, in a chamber and they'd stay in there for two weeks dropping in and out of the the off the rig down to the the ocean floor and working on the he'd live in the chamber while he wasn't on the floor yeah holy shit it's kind of like he he equates it to being kind of something like somewhere between prison or being an astronaut yeah it's kind of yeah totally um really close quarters like they've got like i think it's four sat divers in the chamber on the deck and they do shifts of 12 hours 12 hours two at a time and you basically, yeah, you don't, you don't, you stay compressed. Mm. Yeah. Once you're out there, you're out there. So he'd do two weeks on, two weeks off. And the two weeks off was just like, you know, he's not working. So yeah. he's big, he's big. The thing that led him there was um, spearfishing and skin diving and all that sort of stuff. Oh, down, real down, yeah. 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 He loves it. He's obsessed. Like. A bit like you. Yeah. Yeah. For <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> Un- unhealthy maybe you could say but no i, I um it's just it's grounding in it, it's a funny word to use for something that's in the ocean but the ocean's a real grounder for a lot of people you know yeah i see it all around like it settles people re- regulates you can quiet a lot of things down in your in your life or in your head well also gives you time out to process I, th- I think, like, you know, some people say, oh, I don't think of anything, but I, I feel like my brain doesn't quite switch off, but it processes. 
Yeah. I might not be talking to anybody or anything and you have the, you know, you're looking or scanning the horizon for mm-hmm. telltales. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, whatever's happening in your life is sort of bubbling away and sometimes, you know, you get out with a clearer thought of, I don't know, you know, I'm getting a little bit... But yeah, yeah, we all talk about the same kind of thing. I think it's it's heavily spoken about, but it's it's a bit of a fu- like it's a forced you know break away from anything. Like even just wearing clothing and being like conscious of your clothing. Like we all look like crazy rubber people when we're in the water. No one's looking cool. I don't, I don't think. Like, uh, so that's already gone. You know, just that that surface level thing. And then there's you know you, obviously you can't have your phone or your book or someone telling you to you know yeah be here, do that. So, and then when you're actually surfing itself, that that's really heightened. Then you be get, you sort of fast track into a proper nowness, mindfulness. It's a meditative without, you don't, you don't have to be ripping to, to achieve like a, a really sort of peaceful kind of. A single mindedness. Hmm. Sort of. Yeah. You know, you're not, you're definitely not thinking of like the fucking parking fines when you're yeah, flying no. down the line. Not at all. No. <laughs> I mean, going back to that, like my my f- father's side of the family, uh, Greek, and they, he was born in Egypt. Was he really? Yeah. A lot of people don't know or, you know, there's that stat that gets around like Melbourne has the biggest Greek population in the world outside of Athens. But what a lot of people don't know is a majority or a huge amount of those people came via Egypt. Hmm. So if he came by Egypt, and correct me if I'm, where's the water? How did he get into diving? Well, they're like he's right at the top at Alexandria. So basically, Alexandria back in the early 1900s, or I don't, I don't know the full history of it, was a like a bit of a Hong Kong of this of the 80s. Right. It was an international trade hub, and so there were heaps of French people, Greek people, Italians, British, and it's you know it's right there on the sort sort of on the Mediterranean, I guess. And so people coming in and out doing trading and they had a pretty lax kind of, I don't know if it's uh, immigration or taxation or you could just do business there. So there were communities from all of those countries there. And then in about 51 or two, a new president got voted in and was like, everyone who's not Egyptian or Arabic, you're out, go. Which at the exact same time, Melbourne was like, well, we've got a bit of a boom going on. We need crew and open the doors. So... That's where, like, the massive Greek population came from. Wow. Yeah. And my dad was, I think, about a year old when he came over on a boat. And they they um, they um got dropped off in, I think they went to West Oz first, and then they ended up in, like, went to a bit of a camp thing. And then they came to South Melbourne, at, or, you know, Port Melbourne, to the docks. And, um, you know, that's the water. As soon as they got here, like, my grandfather, he purchased a place and they yeah, started seeking the ocean you know isn't Which, like history wild even short history like you mm. know we're talking one gen one step and it's still an amazing journey yeah huge like yeah and pre no phone like long mm. way to get to i'm assuming they were on a boat to get down yeah, here yeah, yeah. yeah it's they, like they wouldn't even know what they're really going to they might have looked at a brochure or something <laughs> yeah 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 it 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 boggles my brain a bit that it's just like not very long ago yet we take what we have for granted like it's always been like this and it just hasn't no 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 i mean this connectivity yeah that we're sort of living in so 
does he and do you I, i'm fascinated by the pyramids yeah yeah right <laughs> uh i um i've never been over there my old man has been back and he's he's super into not like factual history so much as superstitious history he likes that like, I you know, love that. Yeah, what has he got? Yeah, I don't know. Like, he's, <laughs> yeah. he's an interesting cat for sure. Yeah. He's, he's lived up in Far North Queensland since, like, I was about 13 or 14. And, we, we, you know, we're still in contact and he's still around the water and we share that, you know. But um, he he has been back and he, he he's... I was talking about this the other day um, when I was speaking with Simon and it was a... Uh, that you never really know when you're young and another friend actually had this similar chat that you never really know when you're young, that you're growing up around eccentrics or in, you know, people who have a artistic kind of working mind, that's just normal to you, you know? And then it might take like, even to your adulthood to you, like, ah, oh, like my parents have got like a different, like, you know, like they, uh, my mum's from an artist side, like an artist family. In a musical way. Mm-hmm. They're, they're from St Kilda, Paran, for generations, you know. And um, and what, so, sorry, I just, what, yeah. dr- drill in, was she a, a singer or an instrument or? My mother used, she doesn't, she doesn't, since her adult, she just left it. I think she was just so, like, heavily drilled on it as a youth that she was like, I just don't want to do this anymore. But she was an exceptional pianist, like, really, really good. And all of her, her parents met through, you know, through music and her both sides of the, their families were all musicians, males and females, big time concert hall musician people. Yeah, is it in you? Uh, yeah. I no. Yes and no. I love music. Uh, if I put my hands on a keyboard, I can put out something. I can feel my way through things. When I've come to technically technically learn music, I get a bit overwhelmed and I put up a put up a bit of a wall. It's a, you got to respect. I, I like, I think people who are really talented at music, I really respect that. Cause there's, there's no, there's no faking that really. No. You know, there's a lot, the repetition of the scales, the, even just reading music, you know, all that sort of stuff is. Well, even then you, you go down a different hole and you say jazz, you mm. know, where it's just like, it's a, um, a, a, a delicate dance between subtleties of, instruments collaborating to on a journey you know i don't know i said to put it but like yeah. you know good good jazz musicians really know how to listen and and it's a, a is it a symbiosis i don't know what the word but like you know what i mean i know exactly what you mean yeah uh i'm jealous yeah me too <laughs> you know musically i don't have an enemy at all like I said, so I, that, that's fascinating i do respect all the like that that really heavily like the 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 ocean connection there, I mean, even as much as it's not the surf or anything, my mum's side of the family being from that sort of St Kilda, it's like, you know, a couple of, I remember when I was a kid going to a couple of relatives' place and you could look out the window at the at the bay. Um, but, yeah, my dad and his side of the family, they immediately were like, where is the open ocean? And they, I've got photos of them in the 50s down at Lawn and Cumberland and Aries and stuff and they're using painters drop sheets as tents and, just going fishing and, you know, really heavily kind of interacting. I think my papu and my granddad, he bought a place in St. Leonard's that we used to have when I was a kid, go there sometimes. But, yeah, 
through the deep sea diving stuff. My dad had an accident once and he ripped his thumb off. This is this is pretty pretty wild. He got his thumb sort of sucked into this machine, you know, like with his hand deep down. This was on a barge, so okay. it wasn't in saturation. Yeah. So they're sort of on the top of the water, and it was like something that feeds the the pipes in that go down th- to the drill or whatever, and a momentary lapse of concentration or something, and his his hand got pulled in, and um, he explained he's it. like the the next thing after yeah yeah you know he's, he's going in. And Is so it like auger, like sucking it in, kind of thing? It's like, like cogs grinding. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So he's like, all right, you know, I'm going. The next thing after your arms, your head. So I got to get out. So he's ripped his hand out, you know, and uh, it's degloved his hand, turned his hand inside out, and taken his whole like thumb, sorry, section off of his hand. It's gone, you know. He actually had a long weddy. His weddy was a bit oversized, so it kind of pulled it over when it came out, and it was just, you know. Fuck. So he thought, he's like, oh, fuck, my whole hand's gone. Like, that's it. They put him straight into the Medi evac kind of chopper and put him in an air splint. And until he got to Melbourne, he, he thought his hand was gone. When they took it off and pulled it all back, he's like, oh, I've still got something there. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it gets crazier. Keep going. <laughs> mm. And so, you know, this is oil money, 80s oil money. Not that oil money is decreased in worth now, <laughs> but in the 80s, he's working for one of these big petrochemical companies, and they're like, you know, whatever it takes, we'll, we'll help you. And first of all, you know, they just, they put it, they peeled all the, the rest of his skin back over his fingers and his hand and just sewed it all closed so he's, he's thumbless and had a specialist come in um, and he's like, I've been trying to work on this surgery and to see if it will work. I think I've got something worked out that I'm willing to to try on you if you're keen. And it's that we can chop your big toe off and we'll stick it on your hand and make make a new thumb, you know? <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> and he, oh, my, God, that's a strange predicament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well... Not my dad was like you know still early to mid mid twenties. He was young when he he had me. So I oh, know, but you've got a good foot. Yeah, right. It's good. His whole mindset was like, I need my hand to work. I've got a family. Yeah, I can do without a toe, but I need to be able to grip things. Like yeah. without a thumb, I can't. You know, yeah, it was yeah. a little finger, whatever. Yeah, but this is a thumb. Yeah, it's you know, it's the opposing side to those four fingers. So mm-hmm. he's like, all right. Well, I don't think he asked too many questions. He's like, yeah, let's let's have a crack. You know. One of my uncles came in and saw his hand. My dad told him what was going on. Like he's like, You're, "They're lying to you. This is bullshit." And like walked out of the room. Like, <laughs> "What are you doing?" Who was saying that to him? His uncle. Oh, he's like uncle. an okay, old yeah. proper like yeah, you know, yeah. Greek hard man. Yeah, 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 he's yeah. like, "This is this is this is a fantasy. It's not true." And so they did it. They they took off one of his big toes and they took off some of his and all the ligaments and stuff came from there. And then some of his hip bone was used for a bit of a knuckle in there or something took heaps of skin off his hip as well and they they wrapped this thing up and it uh it looked it looked crazy like it was really big you know so what they call it grafting when they like i guess so man i don't know know, they call it butchery (laughs) (laughs) it's experimentation (laughs) it's craft yeah yeah it's grafting there was a bit there was grafting involved for sure so yeah it didn't work. Like, I didn't. No, no, no. no. Oh, my no. fucking lordy. They didn't tell me it worked for treat. Mm. So, hold on. 
he, does he lose a toe? He's lost his toe. So this thing's on there. They're trying to keep it alive. It dies. It goes black. It starts stinking, you know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the uncles, they're like, I told you so. Like, now you got no toe, had no thumb. Like, get out of the hospital, like, you know. And the guy's like, I think we know the surgeon's like, you know, they, so they chop it off, sew him back up, send him home. And um, he's, uh, they've come back and like, I reckon I know what we can do to make it work if you're willing to have another go. You've got, you've got one more big toe there. <laughs> and he was like, shit, yeah, like, let's, let's do it. Like, I'm game. You know? Oh, my God, your old man is fucking hardcore. Yeah, he's funny as. He, um, he, so he, so they do it. They chop the other one off, take more skin, take more bone and stuff. And this time they, op- when he, so when they chopped the skin off his side, they, instead of chopping it off, they, they sewed him to himself. You know what I mean? Like, his, his open hand, thumb, toe contraption was like sewn into his into his hip into oh, man, his side. i'm just getting pictures of like the human centipede i just don't know i think you could probably medically do that i think that's <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know after getting the blood flow going through there i don't know how long he sewed to himself a month or something in the hospital and then they slowly detach it and then after that it's, it's it looked like it had a tennis ball in the, in this part of it, and he's uh, they just slowly correctively surgery whittled it back and stuff, and now bang, he works with his hands. It grows a nail. He's got full feeling. He's got no big toes, but he has a he has yeah. I don't know what he's got a hand. He's got opposable thumbs. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. work. Yeah, and that's the difference. Between- I think I think it's not uncommon now. What a fucking <laughs> renegade. <laughs> Like, seriously, <laughs> lose one toe. Hey, I think we'll get it right this time. To, to throw down that gamble again, man. Like, There's uh, a lot of trust there. There is a lot of trust. <laughs> like, maximum. Um, wow, I didn't fucking see that coming. I think to be, like, of the mindset that, yeah, I don't mind getting dropped down to the bottom of the ocean compressed in staying in a chamber with some, you know, like, that, that kind of... That's that's different in itself. So, like, yeah, he... I think the the biggest thing that annoyed him about it was the amount of time out of work. And he likes to be busy. He still does. And, like, he um he couldn't work. It was a long time. Like, these surgeries went over the span of at least a year. He had so many corrective surgeries. They stopped putting him to sleep because the painkillers were messing with him. So he'd stay awake and they'd, he'd watch and they'd talk to him and he'd ask questions and play, like, Pavarotti or, you know... Gypsy Kings or something in the background, whatever <laughs> whatever he wanted to listen to. You know, and, I forgot uh, about the Gypsy Kings. <laughs> I love the Gypsy Kings, man. If you ever if you ever need some energy, put put the Gypsy Kings man, on. I'm writing that down. <laughs> I haven't heard them for ages. Oh, that right. was really big in the eighties, right? Oh, geez, in the 80s. Yeah, we used to have that yeah. cassette in the car, and it was on. You know, it was like Madonna, Gypsy Kings. Was, there were only a few tapes in that Gypsy Kings. You read the mix. We had the yeah, we had it on <laughs> on vinyl. I do remember it. Yeah. Um, Oh, that's a good. That's a good one. Yeah, goes good. So, <laughs> oh yeah, wow. Okay, I'll send you a flick. But you've got okay. So you, he, you said that your dad, he's he likes to keep busy. You you have that similar. Uh, you know, from what I can tell, you have the similar mm. keep busy kind of vibe. You're always doing something. Yeah, I um, my old man, he he's uh, he likes to work. He likes to have a job and a purpose in that sort of way. For myself, I'm definitely not that. 
like I like to have projects and I like to sort of be exploring avenues or experiencing new, like I've got a bit of a, it's not so much a never grow up attitude, but a never, I don't want to ever become set and be like, this is what I do. This is who I am. You know, I want to stay open for my entire, you know, physical lifespan for sure to new experience. And part of that is exploring, you know, like I put myself in a situation where I know I'm uncomfortable. So that way I'll have to, I'll have to learn. It's good to be a sponge again, you know, like to wring yourself out and be ready to absorb, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I get stuck in my ways hmm. and I've noticed that, like, um, I don't think stuck in my ways creatively, but I get stuck in my patterns of, like, I want to keep fit and surf hmm. and, y- you know, those little patterns that go with that. There's a bit of, bit of preservation stuff there that makes complete sense, though. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm no I'm not I haven't got it nailed, that's for sure, you know, and it doesn't always it's not always the I wouldn't say right or wrong, but it's not the right choice to make moves. Like I'm I'll be um you know, in a in an alternate universe if I had stuck to one of the things that I'd been doing ages ago, maybe I'd be you know, in societies I successful or maybe I'd own a house or something. Um but I don't really think like that. I'm it all it all feeds into itself, and we're on our own journey. And I'm not like I'm not in full believer in fate or anything, but I kind of sometimes feel as though I've got no choice but to follow that feeling. You know, like yeah, I do know. Yeah. I, I totally. I, I mm. feel uh, you were a kin on that. Yeah, I've, I'm on the same jaunt, you might say. Mm. Uh, and and I try my very best to stay true to it, and. Um, and I'm just drilling this back to you because I'm just inter- in- interested in your interpretation because, like, for me, sometimes I find it really difficult not to look at what other people are doing um, materialistically with their, how you, in this society, um, gauge success yeah. through property and prestige or mm. whatever the fuck that is. And um, and when you're on a different creative kind of jaunt <laughs> it's sometimes i can be a little bit like what the fuck am i doing heavily i kind of like when i when i look at and yeah 100 percent, i feel like that too and there's plenty of times where it's not jealousy or envy or anything it's just like god oh, damn you know like i just don't get it like i'm financially illiterate like i look around and I'll be like <laughs> i'm like i'll rock up to the winky car park and be like fuck now like all these cars are worth more than i've ever made in my life like what is this like, <laughs> Yeah. Well, like, you know, if someone owns each one of these houses, like, uh, how? Like, how did they... That's just... Uh, it, the mind boggles it, it way more than that. Like, you know, I'm kind of having a creative brain. Like, I remember being real young and lying in bed, almost having panic attacks when I was, like, seven or something, going, there's no end to space. Like, how, yeah. how, oh, hang on, hang on. Like, and just not being... Realising I couldn't get my head around that and I'll never know the answer to that was enough for me to just have, like full like my chest was just like like no yeah (laughs) what's this existence i have so many questions and um i think when it comes down to that sort of comparing or looking around a lot of that's drummed into us you know oh yeah you turn on the telly the ads like if you don't have a million dollars of super then you're gonna be on the street and it's like all right there's a bit of million what (laughs) what's super (laughs) etc and so what fucks me off is we've mm. been here for 200 years mm. and if you're not thinking along a certain way, mm. then you're, you know, something wrong with you. 
Yeah. But then, yeah, you look at the um, indigenous culture that was here prevalent before we entered stage left. Yeah. And they were here for, what, 60, 100? We don't really know, we guess. And yet they seem to uh, live in harmony with nature. It might not have always been peaceful, mm. but at least they were doing it under, like, the real laws of land. Mm-hmm. And, um, he, yeah, I, I feel like they probably had their... Uh, their their weight in the right areas of what it means yeah. to be human as opposed to where we're drifting along at the minute. Couldn't agree more, yeah. And it's like with the creative stuff, you know, you'd think that, all right, if there was no commerce involved in the world and you didn't have to do something, it's not like it'd be like, all right, I'm never going to draw a picture again or I wouldn't endeavour to find something out. That curiosity or that feeling or that style of expression or that language, it's got nothing to do with commerce the fact that that's in your wheelhouse or your strong point and you kind of got no choice is why you use it for for income. But it's like there's other things out there that are uh, – it's not like an us and them thing. or no, the, no, this, no. Yeah, yeah. no, no. And the snowball's kind of just rolling and things it's, – it's, some of it's laughable. Like looking at inflation versus income stuff is like – it's kind of comedy. Like you can, I can hear like – circus music playing in the background sometimes i'm just like what <laughs> is this actually is, is this actually am i supposed to take this seriously like okay so i'm supposed to just jump you would now i'm just going to keep jumping like nah man there's so many ways that you can if you can be comfortable with it within yourself then you can do whatever you want like we're very fortunate in this country in this current day even still that you know compared to so many so many other places where you can kind of like there's a lot of options. You can interpret it your own ways and regardless of societal acceptance or not. Like, I mean, how many times do you get, like, doesn't anyone work anymore, like, when you're in the surf? (laughs) I wait till everyone goes to work until I go surfing, like, every day. I don't don't want to interrupt people when that's their only time. Like, I'm definitely 8.30 afterwards is when I start looking. Like, (laughs) I'll let everyone else scratch because I know that, you know, that a lot of people have got obligations that are different. But for me, it's like... I've I've want to have a not too much of a compromise on how I want to live, and I I feel like that's fine, you know. Like if I if I with my creative stuff, I'll often do like twenty four hours at a time, or I'll work all night. Hear the birds coming up in the morning, and I'm, I'll still go. Like you know, no coffee or anything. I just I get so into it, and that that's that's my time. So if I can work like that on project based stuff. I'll work. I'll work real hard for sure. But that entire, like, and not that I've never done it, but, like, working for the man and, you know, they're looking at their watch when you're in there a minute late. It's like, what's a minute? Like, who cares? Like, I'm putting in the effort. So, but, you know, it's a funny one. Like, Oh, totally. Did you, um, how were you through school? Mm, Not really. um, I, um... I enjoyed the interaction side of it with other humans. Like, yeah. come on there. <laughs> I didn't mind that. I actually went to school like like I, I didn't even wag too much. I, I went to school a lot, but I just uh, I didn't do much there. Yeah. Yeah, as in the way of academics or handing anything in. Unless I was interested in what I was learning in that subject, I pr- just sort of sat there and just chilled out, you know. But um, I didn't finish. I... Uh, I um, when I was in about year nine or ten, I was living in Windsor, 
Christoph Chapel Street and uh, I did work experience, year nine, at an animation studio, which was, like, going back from that, like, I always always felt creative and I liked things. And you're a kid. I loved watching cartoons. I still like watching cartoons, you know. And But once I went to an exhibition and it had, like, the drawings all in a row and then it had – it sort of showed the process, this exhibition – and I would have been, I don't know, 12 or 13. And it was a full light bulb for me. I was like, wow. I get, like, well, okay. So now each time I was watching a cartoon, I'm like pausing it or trying to break it down. And it was like, this is kind of, it's a magic trick sleight of hand thing, but I get it. You know, I want to do this. I was kind of hell bent from a really young age to get involved in that. And so I did work experience at the, an animation studio in, uh, in Windsor, in Pran. And um, I'll, I used to deliver the newspaper around that area too. And when you deliver a newspaper, you get a spare one at, at the, you know, in your in your round. So that way if you lose one or whatever. But I'd always drop them off there, like <laughs> sucking up. I'd chuck them under the door on the way home. And they like that. I used to go in there after school and they're like, come in whenever you use the stuff. And I used to go and make little, little animation, hand-drawn animation stuff. And... Uh, Anyway, my mum was friends with the owner there too. And um, when I left school halfway through year 11, I was coming down here like every single weekend, all school holidays, you know, and um, just hanging out, surfing, whatever. And uh, one of my mates down here, he'd, he'd stopped going to school as well. We were the same age, living in Aries. And his parents were like, all right, if you... When I came down the next weekend after I left school, I left school real spontaneously. Like, I didn't plan to leave school. I just left one day. Or how? I think I'd, I'd been down here all week, all the school holidays in, like, um, term three holidays, surfing, having a good time. And then I came, I went back to school. I was just tired, you know. The V-line's a bit of a drag at the end of all of that. And I went to school that Monday morning in double English and... I um, Fuck, I just went to sleep, you know, in class. Yeah. And I woke up at the end and the teacher's like, we need to talk. Like, do you realise that if you don't hand anything in this year, then you can't go to year 12? And I was like, what? Like, I didn't, no one told me that. Like, English was the only compulsory subject. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, no, like, uh, nah, that's not right. I'm doing well in everything else. So they're all electives. So I was doing like, you know, graphics, media, art, studio art. I think woodwork was my science. Like, uh, I just didn't know. So I was like, that, is that true? And I went and saw the year level coordinator and like, oh, yeah, we've been meaning to talk to you. I'm like, meaning to talk to me? It's like, it's a bit late. Like, I can't catch up. There's no time, you know? So I was like, all right, I'm, I'm bailing. And just, I left that day. Like, I didn't, I just left. They didn't try and... Nah, schooling at that time in the 90s was a bit overcrowded and they, they were trying to get rid of people, really. I think, yeah. It was, a, it was a funny time. It was just after Kenneth had closed all the schools. It was a bit full, you know. And um, I went home. My mum wasn't happy, but I went down. I came down back down here and was surfing with my mate Maddie and, his, and staying at his place in the bungalow And uh, that week. And his parents were like, all right, if you come and move down here and you and, you and Maddie go back to school at Lawn and finish school, you guys can live in the bungalow. And, you know, his dad had a carpet cleaning business. He's like, well, you can have a, a day or two, you know, work a week and get some pocket money or whatever. 
And I'm like, cool, well, that's what I'll do. Like, I'll get back to school if that's the case. I'll go to lawn, that's fine. I've got heaps of mates there. And I went back and told my mum and she's just like, nah, like, it's not happening. Like, you're not, no. And so she went to speak to the animation studio guy and was like, can, is there something you can do? Can we give him some kind of informal apprenticeship or something like that? And he's like, sure, send him in. And so, you know, I'd always wanted to animate and there it was. You know, I just got, I got it given to me at such a young age. Yeah. So I went straight into sort of full-time animating then 1995. Yeah. Fuck. What a layup. It was mad. We were working on cool stuff too. It was like pre computers were sort of dribbling on a bit, but it was all hand drawn. It was all really tangible. We did like Fredo frog ads, target ads, <laughs> Fredo yeah, frog, all that stuff. Yeah. Nutella. We worked on some heaps of cool stuff. With good people too, it was really, really great studio environment and a good area and proper characters, heaps of people. Like, you know, obviously I'm the younger, so everyone's kind of taking me under their wing and, yeah, it was good. Did you, this is me projecting, did you have a, um, a what's the word, penchant, pen, you know, when you're like, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna just forget. I said that. Did, did you have a, uh, a tendency to like be drawn towards booze and drugs and stuff when you were young in the '90s at that period? Uh yeah. I'll go ahead and say that. Like, definitely. Um, I feel like the world's changing a bit now, but like, I definitely like drink on with my mates and stuff like that. But I wasn't like going mad down the rabbit hole to smoke a bit of weed or whatever. I was super cautious, like to not like lose my mind. I think going through uh, a lot of stuff at that stage of my life, family wise and, and being a teenager, it was like, your mind's already kind of fragile enough. You're so confused. So if I ever got stoned, I'd be like wigging out sometimes, you know, not always. Sometimes it's awesome, but not so much. I was, I was pretty cautious and I saw a lot of stuff go down. You know, this is Melbourne 90, like, sorry, nineties and so many mates just it was loose, in, innocent, innocently got like very addicted to heroin, lost some friends. And I saw, I saw too much as too sort of wise for it. And also, like I said, cautious in my own mind, like if mates were taking acid and stuff, I'd be like, I'd draw a line at that. I, didn't, I just wasn't ready. I just wasn't maybe mature enough, you know, not that I judge it or, or think it's bad, but for me, um, and you know, the other thing is like back then, <laughs> I don't know what it's like now. I see a lot of people drinking fizzes and stuff. What are fizzes? I, mean, I don't know. It's like a alcoholic seltzer. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. West Coast cooler. Basically a soft drink, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Back, back then, it's like if you're a guy and you're drinking anything but VB, like, you're, you're like it's not cool. Like Even red wine was like, what are you drinking, mate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I just didn't love the taste of beer then. I, I do now. But, like, I'd, I'd you know, get a six-pack and go to a house party and, I'd be drinking so slow to get so warm and taste worse and worse and secretly be pouring it out behind my back like, yep, I've drunk me fourth yeah. beer, chuck us another one. <laughs> There's a big wet puddle behind me. <laughs> uh, so not really, nah. No, it's cool. I'm always yeah. curious, man. There's just like, you know, I just wish I had been a little bit, I wish I had been smarter. I kind of later, like post-18 for sure, like that kind of thing. I like the going out life. I ended up... Um, through the animation stuff, and eventually I ended up living in Sydney. Did for, you for a couple of years? Yeah, I lived in. I went up to. I worked on a kids show that was for about a year and a half, and at the end of it, which one? It was called Little Elvis Jones and the Truck Stoppers. It was mm-hmm. an ABC show, Australian Children's Television Foundation thing. 
And um, so it was, it was, it was huge. It was like not as in it was popular, but it was a big production and a lot of cool people involved. That was like not long after I'd left the school. So I did the sort of maybe a year or so in the studio in Pran and then I went there. I had my 18th birthday at that series and I saved up while I was there to buy a car because I just wanted to come surfing all the time. I wanted my freedom. I got to the end of the show and there was no new work sort of coming straight away and I still hadn't got my license. My mum didn't have a car. I didn't learn to drive. So I used that money and went overseas. I went travelling and just got the taste for that and that sort of... I went to. I wanted to go to New York. Were you drawing on that show? Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, drawing. Yeah. Yeah. In betweening was what I was doing, which is like the key animator would draw like the big dramatic end parts of the movement, and then it would come to me, and I would fill it in to smooth it out. You know. So you said before um, when you would pause a cartoon mm. and you kind of could figure it out in your head the mm. the sleight of hand. Uh, what was happening there mm. i i can't understand it is it like there's a bunch of papers stuck together and it's like a flick book or and then it's like you've got a camera and you've just rolled it along that quite quickly mm. if you know what i mean yeah i know what you mean yeah yeah. or is, is that is that sort of the process i can't in my mind understand the, it the um they uh it's they basically even now like regardless of the what's used for it is they're just flashing in front of your face. So in uh, 25, frames a 25 frames a second is PAL. 24 is NTSE, which is kind of annoying when you have to start doing bigger massive minutes or whatever, but 25 frames for PAL, but you wouldn't draw 25 frames. You draw uh, whatever needed to be drawn. So maybe like if you look at the Simpsons and Bart's talking, but his head's not moving, his head will be one layer in the background. And then his eyes would be another one and there'll be just three drawings for that and they'll blink every once in a while. And then on another layer is his mouth and that's going through the, the audio, you know. And then the background is obviously the far most back layer. It gets more complex when you've got other things going on or walk cycles or, or anything like that. But it's essentially Disney, they would always draw like one frame for every frame. So if it was 24 frames a second for America, they'd have 24 drawings in a second. But... A lot of Japanese animation is like one drawing is held for six frames. So they only have like four or five drawings in a second, but milk it more with a dynamic kind of compositional movement sort of thing, like ec- economical kind of animating. In Australia, most of the stuff is we hold twos. So it'd be like every second frame is a change. So it'd be like 12 movements in a... All that sort of stuff is, I know it sounds kind of, yeah, it's, a, it's a bit of a brain buster, but it's like, even for me just thinking that, like, it's like, all right, so like, we're only taking in X amount of frames per second. You can't see the seam, which I think like must be, I, I, from that, it makes me ponder a lot of other stuff. Like if you see people who are real naturally gifted at some sport, like a skateboarder or, you know, a surfer, it's like, maybe they're seeing more frames per second. And, you know, yeah, I don't know if there's ever been a scientific stuff done around that, surely, but how much vision are people taking in? Because sometimes, and I feel like the, the older I get, especially if I get on a skateboard, the less frames that are involved between me being vertical and horizontal. Like when I hit the deck, it's just like... What happened? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's no graceful falling anymore. <laughs> That's really mm. wild way of looking at it. Mm. And I 
completely understand that, what you're saying. Because I feel like sometimes, uh, even in my own mind, I don't know understand why, but sometimes I feel like I do see more frames yeah. and I feel like I'm completely on point and I can't miss. Yeah. And you see it all. And But then other days, like you're saying, I feel like I'm missing a few chromosomes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where did that lip come from? Why, why, why I'm underwater suddenly? Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I went, I went. I wanted to go to New York just because I always, I like cities. I'm a city guy. Like, I fully like city, city. You know, I listened to heaps of hip hop back then. I was skating, graffiti, all the stuff that I liked is from New York. So I'm like, I want to go to New York. I went into a real estate agency on Chapel Street and asked them, hey, how much to New York and back. And um, they looked it up and like, it's cheaper to go around the world substantially. You can get an around the world ticket with Qantas and Air France. And they had like a big map of the world on the wall. And they're like, you can just go to New York, but you have to stop at each airport if you want to save money. I'm like, all right, I'll just, and you can change the ticket heaps. It goes for a year. So I, I did that. I was like, I just chose it off the world map. I'm like, I'll go here, here, here. And it just gave me a real bug. And when I came back to Melbourne, I was like, Melbourne now is like pretty, it's a bit of a beast, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a city. Like if you're in the city at nighttime, there's people there, there's, there's yeah. lights, there's, yeah. there's stuff going on. Melbourne in 1997 was like, nobody lived in the CBD after working hours finished in the weekdays, it was dark and it was kind of like pretty like Gotham city ish, you know? And, uh, I was like, oh, this is slow. Like I, I came back, I wanted to go move to New York. I'd entered the green card lottery heaps of times. Yeah. So I applied for all these animation jobs and stuff. And then I went to Sydney for a weekend. An animator mate of mine had moved there. They had a Disney Studios there. He was living in the cross. And I went to see him for the weekend and I was like, oh, hadn't really spent much time in Sydney. I'm like, hey, this is like, this has got a bit more pace, you it's know? It's got a heartbeat. And um, went back to Melbourne and packed my stuff and caught a one-way bus like the next week and... Stayed there for a couple of years during, I left after the Olympics. Yeah. So I was there when I was like 19 to 21. And in the cross. I lived in the cross. Yeah. Uh, First I moved into a a hostel. Like it was, (laughs) I stayed in a hostel for three months. It was, it was hilarious, man. It was, I've seen, I've seen some stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I can only imagine like. So this is still in the nineties, eighteen twenty one, is it? Yeah, that, yeah. It's like Wild yeah. West. It was wild. Like I saw, you know, some of it's very not funny. Like I'm pretty sure I saw some people pass away, but like the cross was legit heavy, and um, you know, like uh, I, I stayed in that hostel, and um, I sort of had a couple of animation trials. I did some storyboards for a show and didn't really pan out, and then I got a job painting and decorating. With a, with this this guy came into the hostel. He's like, "We're looking for painters." And he went, "Can I put a thing up?" And I'm like, oh, "I kind of know about paint a bit. Like, can I have a go?" Kind of thing. And they ended up being like the best crew. Like, I worked with these really cool people, all similar age. We were all real young. I mean, obviously the boss and the older crew in the crew were older, but we had fun. Like, and we we did real clean work. We worked on the Olympic side, heaps of buildings in the city, the airport. We got paid well. And I like, know, it. I like real clean work. Took pride in your work. Wow, man! If you go into an old house and you paint, you're not painting. You're a, you're a restoration guy. You're you're sanding. You're feeling. You're fixing stuff. We were painting just like brand new partition gyprock walls. Like two guys go ahead with a brush and cut in. One cuts in the top. One cuts in the bottom. 
and someone follows with a roller, you know, we're just like cranking techno, Britney Spears or whatever we needed to get, keep us going. <laughs> <laughs> this, you know, it's, Sydney allows you to put your guard down a bit, you know. You, I, I found myself listening to pop music a lot in Sydney yeah. and like just being open to it, yeah. Oh, it's amazing what, uh, what cities will do to you. I remember, like, when I was in New York, like, some of the outfits I'd try on and be like, no one knows who the fuck I am. I can just wear whatever I want. How good is that? And, yeah, and you rock it, and then you sort of a bit later be like, mm, oh, no, I don't think I'm this guy. It's it's fine until you're back in the... Yeah, I remember coming back to the Pran Skate Park after uh, that New York trip, and I think I was wearing, like, a, you know, double XL, like, Tommy Hilfiger spray jacket with some basketball shorts and my calf sideways or something. <laughs> and someone going, whoa, what's cracking, Ollie? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> You're a good man. And I'm like... <laughs> yeah, what up? Yeah, like, what's cracking? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. What's wrong? I'm not looking down like, oh, that's right. I'm not wearing the uniform. <laughs> uh, I'm going out too far here. I'm going to rein it back in. Better sell these. <laughs> So um, skating was a big part of your childhood? Yeah. I mean, I was never a really, really all great skater, but I spent a lot of time hanging at, at Pran Skate Park, and it's uh, it's a great community, you know. Like, I, I can speak pretty highly of skateboarding in the way that um, you can be really, like, from any walk of life and be accepted into skateboarding, I think. And, um, you know, it doesn't have that limited resourcing that makes people at each other a bit, but you go to a skate park and like a kid will be there trying a trick for a week and they'll finally land it. And everyone, including the best skaters will be like, yeah, like it's a big pat on the back, you know? It's like, if you're at Winky and you're, you, you know, mm-hmm. trying to do something, you hit the lip and you feel good. It's like, you look and everyone's like looking the other way. <laughs> like I didn't see anything. Like, yeah, totally. Oh really? Oh no, I didn't see that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Skating's real good like that, and it's a good bridge too. Like when I went to the states, I was skating, so like I didn't I didn't do any sightseeing. I went to skate spots and met crew, and ended up in all kinds of hilarious situations because of that bridge. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. Didn't I spent a lot of time in the out in the street? You know, that's as a teenager. Like, where can you go? You sit in your mate's house. If you sort of sit around and get hassled, like, what are those teenagers doing? As soon as you got like a piece of equipment or something, as much as you got plenty hassled for being a skater, like it, it kind of, I don't know, it's, it's good. Yeah, skating was uh, for me, you know, like unfortunately till I was 13 I was on the farm and I used to skate in the wool shed on the veranda. Yeah. Uh, anywhere that I could find a smooth surface. In the workshop there was a little area that we made a little ramp but it was Sick. like <laughs> not a proper ramp, it was a piece of fucking... Uh, what do you call it? Chipboard that ran up onto yeah. a couch and put a bit it. of tin on it. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, man. I was obsessed. You know, I remember one time my parents were away and we had a babysitter and the babysitter's son brought out animal chin. The search oh, for yeah, animal yeah, chin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Classic. End of grade That'll five. it blow your mind. It yeah. blew my mind. Yeah. I was just like, this was a window to a world. <laughs> All right, hold on. I'll pause it. <laughs> it was a, w- a window to a world that had... Every time she comes back in, yeah, just be thirsty. Hammers the water after the pig's well, ear. Yeah, pig's ear eating thirsty work, mate. Come on. <laughs> um. Anyway, hopefully it's not reading too much. So, and so I, 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 
I instantly identified with it. Yeah. It was just like, okay, these are definitely the how I, I, there's, a, there's a frequency. Yeah. That I just was like, uh, yeah. So then I remember one time we went to Melbourne and I just ha- I went to the snake pit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was really close to my house. So, yeah. Oh, dude, you were yeah. so lucky. Did you live in there? Yeah. Well, I was, yeah. The, guy, the guys that like could, um, the guys there. That were pretty like where the guys and it's kind of like you got a bit of a cold shoulder f- in some ways, but I respect that. It's cool. Um, there's still mates with some of those so those, those people, and um, but yeah, I mean that whole street was a bit of a birthplace for a lot of um, a lot of culture stuff. I'd say Chapel Street. I mean, I'm 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 pretty passionate about the area. It's great. Yeah, like I, I feel like it's my uh, identity. It's my if I were to, I like to identify as a human on earth, you know, I think everyone is and um, not that I don't feel proud to be from Australia or have the heritages that I have, but like, I like, maybe I would go to war for Chapel Street. Lamb <laughs> <laughs> on Chapel? I don't know. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I, I, I'd die all for Lamb on Chapel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mate, all of it. Um, wow, that, that is passionate. I wouldn't really go to no, Chapel Street. No, I know. Street, I, but you know, know but I, mean. yeah, I totally, I totally know what you mean. I love it. So, um, so skateboarding culture comes uh, in my mind. You're a good artist. Uh, drawing is a, a thing. So the graph world. Mm. Once again, yeah. I mean, that's that's something that I, um, yeah, truly, truly have massive uh, uh, time and passion for. I, I think it's a Graffiti is misunderstood, and I to- like in a lot of different ways, and I I love that. It's fine. It's kind of um, I've sort of mentioned it before, but I, I kind of I find a lot of similarities between surfing and graffiti, like a lot. Like they're really much, pretty much the same thing. In that, um, they're they're self regulating. It's about spots and places not talking too much sort of crews of people uh style based expression you know there's there's a lot there that are similar and it's that whole interpretation you know so would you say in the same vein that 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 uh, i hate the word graffiti but um is it right yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, okay graffiti has become a bit more mainstream like surfing yeah yeah there's that edge of it and it can be can be taken or leaving. Same with skateboarding, like the whole street league stuff. I, I, I mean, for me with the surf, with the surfing, like uh, I fully am into like watching surf comps. Like I like it. Um, I'll watch all the WSL, especially if their surf's good. Like I, I can sit there and watch all of it, no problem. Um, but do I think? And this is probably like controversial in in some ways, or people wouldn't agree, but. Do I think it's a bona fide sport? Not really. Like, as soon as someone's judging, like, and putting a number based on their interpretation of whether or not that, you know, was better than that other person's turn or something. It's like, if you're kicking a goal, that's six points, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, if you're doing a cutty, I know we can, like, you know, break it down and get right in there, but this is just, this is my perspective. This is not gospel or anything. This is just how I feel. And it's the same with... um. I mean, graffiti, there's not really the whole competition side of things. Like, there sometimes is that kind of 
like they'll do like a who can do the best tag competition or something that that's around but um the commercialization of it uh rarely sits like well with me but i, I don't have an axe to grind about it. i don't i don't really care like a lot of the people that are very championed and for people outside of the graffiti world who will think of a name like banksy or something um that person, like to a lot of people in graffiti, that's like they're not a graf- they don't do graffiti. Like it's not, it's not even, it's not graffiti. Like it's first of all, it's a letter based thing. Graffiti is letters. Not- yeah, Banksy's like isn't it like sometimes it's a fucking telephone box yeah. or something it's like more art. He's clever. He's interacting of, with stuff. Yeah, and he's yeah. got a social commentary, and I totally think it's cool. I back it, but it's not graph. It's like it's pretty far removed. Stand and bones. Yeah, that's graph. That's that's like bona fide raw expression for sure. Um, Do you? What, what wasn't there on the run, right? No, no. I mean, you can't talk about it. You can't talk. No, about no, it. no. I mean, I think that's out there. I won't talk about it too much. But 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 they did. They did leave the country for a long, long time. Stan hasn't come back, to my knowledge. Bones has been back, and he's faced the music, and it's. It's he's, cool. He's he's all right. He's he's good. Yeah, yeah. But um, that that was a bit of a witch hunt. That whole thing. Yeah. That was you know, it's it's like the terrain of it in in uh, its public acceptance or commercialization or just even any media sort of grab hold on it is it's always a bit off, like very off. But I, you know, like if you catch the Airport Express bus or whatever it is from. Tallamarine to Melbourne, they'll put it on the screen like, go and visit Hosea Lane, go and check out our graph, you know? Yeah. But if you get caught doing graffiti here, like, it still goes down. You probably, like, they treat you like, not like the regular criminal. Like, you, you, you might get, like, beaten up, you know, and they just, it just doesn't appear in the paperwork or, like, that. it's... You might get beaten up. Sure, like, they're pretty, like, uh, the, not every single cop or... Or whatever is heavy-handed about it, but when when often when people get busted, it's not pretty. Like they'll they'll kick in your door like you've killed a hundred people, and you know it's it's yeah, it's it's a funny one. Graffiti for me, like let, let, letting all that alone. Graffiti for me is a great way to interpret a landscape. Um, um, to have a self-regulated thing also means that you've got to step up and be responsible. Just like in the surf, you can't just be like paddling under everyone and paddling up the line and dropping in. And it doesn't matter if you've got a great attitude, it's, it's on the nose, you know? So with graffiti there, that, and you can, you can follow it too. It's, it's really cool. As somebody who does graffiti, I, when I walk around the city, I get to read, like I'm constantly like looking at everything and, Oh, that wasn't there, you know, like, or seeing someone come up or seeing, seeing different things happen is really makes it like the train interesting. You know? it, it, it's such a uh, uh, it's such a divisive, you know. Like so many people are like, oh, graffiti, fucking. A lot of people don't like it, right? Mm. Like, and it really, I'm, it, I'm really happy with that. <laughs> yeah, and no, I I fucking love it. Mm. I, I anytime I'm traveling or any, you know, like sometimes if someone's just done something stupid on a fucking fence that makes no yeah, sense yeah, yeah. and it's not got any creative taste, sure that's fucked. Mm. What do you call that? Is that a tag or is that just yeah. kids being kids? Yeah. Tags can be real, really good though. They're the, they're the base of it, but poorly placed can definitely be like even abrasive for someone like myself for sure. But then you see a beautiful piece, and man, what you know? I just feel like it's just fucking unreal free art. 
Yeah, like we that's just what get, it is. And, and, and there's an underlying element in our society that are going out and doing it. With mm. uh, there's a, There could be a replication that goes with it, and that tells me that, that the human spirit's alive. Yeah, 100%. There's, there's the generally, by and large, there's zero aspiration to make any money off it, let alone even be known. Like, you don't even want anyone to know that you do it, really. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, that in itself is like a statement that, like, you're not, doing it for gains or whatever and like if you wanted to truly vandalize you'd stand on the other side of the train yard fence and just chuck rocks you know you wouldn't get in there and paint a pretty picture (laughs) yeah 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 i I love it man i just really do i have one experience um and i'm not going to say the person people that did it but i got to go along with them while they put this piece up once and i remember it was in on a shed in the middle of nowhere but i drove that road all the time yeah yeah yeah. did it in the middle of the night and it was back when I was drinking and we sat around and had beers and mm. it was in the dark and you couldn't quite tell what was happening. Yeah. I was just enjoying the, 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 the night mission. And then the next day or however long later I drove and there it was. Yeah. And seeing it was just like, uh, it, it really was quite exciting. It is, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Doing graffiti, like generally it's a train-centric uh, thing. I'll just call it a thing to avoid other words, but, and that means not just on trains, but the rail corridor, you know, like neck walls, like next to the, the train line sort of thing, especially through Melbourne, we've got so many good canyons and stuff and in and around there. So that's kind of like, now it's spread more and more. That's a real estate kind of thing, you know, like there's just, you can't just keep going over people. So people are spread. It's different interpretations and different, um, cities have different approaches to it that have kind of all cross-pollinated now the world's a bit smaller um, but riding a train and looking out the window is like is is epic especially if you paint something on the track side in night it's going to be real dark and you'll be real careful those track rocks are noisy and you know those canyons are like echo chambers and uh but when you go past the next day it's like yeah it's 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 much brighter it's pretty easy to get your colors mixed up when it's dark <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, but yeah, I, I love it, and I, I'll never not. Um, it become it's something that I don't know if it's ever really thought or talked about. Is it's very uh, addictive. It's hard to leave, and like it's kind of something I'd never say I'll never ever do again. Or it's not. It's not in my past. I wouldn't say that either. I, I, I truly, truly, um, yeah, do have passion for it. I love it. It's great being here. It's a uh, a bit of a um, uh, an antidote for it. Like when I go out surfing, like I can, it's also like, it's everyone's got different reasons for doing anything, but like with, with graph, it's definitely like um, for me, a lot of the time it's like a release event or not, not necessarily for anger or anything, but it's just like, ah, oh, you know, you can't you don't have money to do this. You can't do that. Or like, I don't, you're like limited in the societal construct of things, but like I can go out and paint this and I don't have to ask anyone, you know, and you, it's self gratifying in that way. But like, it's a, uh, it's, it's, you can kind of have like some kind of, and the same thing, maybe, maybe for the fact that you, uh, you're concentrating on your painting and, and, um, and everything, or there's the element of danger, which is the same in the water when you could, you know, on a consequential day, you got to have your wits about. You can't just be like flap, flapping about. But you get into that uh, nowness kind of thing. When I'm when you paint like a piece, 
it's a which is like the you know like a bigger kind of production thing like more colorful when you paint a piece um you kind of lose yourself for sure in that process you can get really just like the head noise goes well there's so much in it Mm. and so much detail to it you Mm. have to be zeroed in be kind of after doing it a lot you don't really even concentrate on that oh really yeah no like i don't even think about it really okay yeah and you it's not going through the motions either it's i don't know how to explain it it's it's a weird one you know um it's not like what came to me before is like you know sure but there's a it's to some degree i suppose there's a line of storytelling in it you know, there's a story of the artist behind it and what was their feeling to putting it on the wall and, mm. and why they choose that specific piece, mm. which is not too dissimilar, I suppose, to rock art. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, go way back. So it's sort of in us. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, mate, that that make uh, mark making, you know, is a bit of putting yourself out in front of yourself. It's kind of a, it's a bit of a reflection kind of thing. I think it's, it's a... Uh, it's yeah if if it's done like anything else with like pure pure intention like of not trying to like i hope everybody sees this and i get lots of likes and maybe i'll get a job from it or something you know like um then it's yeah it's just it's pretty pure like it's uh, i wouldn't i'm not gonna go say innocent but it's it's very natural it's not like an obscure thing really it's probably more obscure to like spend five million dollars on a car that can only that can drive like a you know five hundred k's an hour, but you can only drive at sixty k's an hour down the street, so people can look at you. I don't, I don't really like that. Kind that of, happens in your 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 <laughs> oh, you go yeah. to war, war Chapel Street yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, yeah. Laps on chaps, man. Jeez, yeah. <laughs> um, so this Mindhead, mm. Lost on Earth. Yeah, I I, I I just like visually like I'm such a visually stimulated person like I just love what is in front of me right now mm. and uh, uh, the wording, you know I've thought about it a lot. Mind head. <laughs> yeah. Well. No, no. <laughs> and and lost on earth. You yeah. Know, like. I'd say like okay so like so that's like a publishing outlet that I that I do like it's um. Primarily publishing, you kind of branch off here and there. I might do some garments or I do some animation for people under that um, name, but it's but it's a publishing outlet. And more more than that, it's a documentation thing. It's to sort of capture things that are, you know, like some of the stuff we're talking about. And I'm glossing over and probably making an actual dog's breakfast of talking about graffiti. I actually don't. I don't really even with mates that do graffiti. I don't really talk about it. So I don't really think about it that much you know in in a wording kind of thing but because of that and um a lot of these stories just don't get shared like this stuff doesn't get told you know not that that's the central impetus for making these publications or anything i'll cover anything from you know an artist interview to like a childhood memory of someone's or you know well all sorts of stuff like it's it's not really limited um but it comes from me, like, I've been doing, uh, okay, documentation stuff. So going back to my mother's side of the family who were from the St Kilda zone, I've got some books. They were really, you know, stamp collectors, postcard collectors, all the wall letters are all, 
beautifully kept and I have some books at home and they're like handwritten, hand-ruled pages from 150 years ago of one of my relatives imported a whole bunch of cacti and succulents from Mexico, you know, one at a time by post and then drew pictures of them growing and took notes. And Have you told Sharma about this? I've told him. I haven't shown him yet. <laughs> yeah, he'll froth because they're crazy. There's some, there's some bonkers stuff in there. But it's in my blood, this documentation, order, orderly, organizing stuff. You know, after, after, you know, between after that Sydney and then other things, I ended up living in Tokyo. I lived in Tokyo for five years. or I was back and forth over the span of 10 years, but spent more than five years there. And while I was there, I was documenting more and more, taking photos and really, really getting into that. And instead of making a photo album or putting it all on a hard drive or whatever, I'd, I'd make like, you know, zines, just print them out and, and uh, staple bind little magazines so would you sorry just to be layman uh you'd take a photo of something and then write something to uh accompany the photo initially or? it was just like photo based yeah. and i think that was me finding my way through actual the, the putting together and printing and like working out how to get one side and the other side and all of that stuff problem solving then it got into words i'd interview some people i'd write my own stories i even had one that was like all fake interviews that i'd made from cutting and pasting youtube comments and like had questions for them and that were the answers and like i don't i don't know it was just yeah something to do to yeah. keep to keep moving you know yeah and i really i really um and being in tokyo it's like it, when you're at home it's sort of nice to have something that you can do that's in a smaller quarters or something you don't can't spread out too much so these little books are fun to make you know but when i was and during that time, I was back and forth from Melbourne. I'd do like a year here, two years there or whatever. And I was painting quite a lot, uh, uh, doing graffiti. And um, I'd, uh, having, having your photos of your graph in a photo album or even just in a hard drive or something can be kind of red hot. Like it's a bit of a... Uh, evidence mm. brief mm-hmm. you know if you get raided mm-hmm. if you're active and you get surveilled and then they come for you it's problematic if they've got like <laughs> it's not you still like in the court of law they've got to prove everything you know the photo doesn't prove unless you've got a selfie and you're actually doing it yeah. or something you know? yeah yeah but it's a, it's a problem and you don't want to lose those photos anyway so i was had this whole thing of like you're always hiding like memory sticks and hard drives or whatever and taking them to other people's places and I was like, what if I make, like, a fake magazine, you know? I make a magazine and I'll, I'll put on, like, a barcode and a price tag on the front and, and you know, all that jazz. Welcome to issue four of just – and just print my stuff and my friend's stuff and make ten copies and then give one to each of the people that are in it, you know? I'm like, I can have that on my shelf. And uh, if I get that knock, then I'll be like, oh, I just bought it from the hip-hop shop, you know? like So good. Coded. Mm. Yeah, that's that's how that all that was that was pre mindhead stuff. So, you know, like quite a ways back, I did that for a bit, and I really enjoyed the process more and more. And a few other friends saw and like, oh, can I put something in it or can I get one? And I'm like, mm. by the time when I moved back to Melbourne proper, it was like 2011 or so. There was a bit of a void in. Um, Graffiti magazine publication, it's all online now and people are scrolling and tapping and whatever. I, I don't think it's invalid, but it's like 
it's not it's not a way to document. Like I used to really love looking at mates' Tumblr pages or Flickr pages. They don't they're not there anymore. And it's not that wasn't a keep safe. You Did know? you have a blog? I've had heaps of blogs, man. Yeah, yeah. So many. Not not for graffiti. I've had all kinds of. But they're different. fun. I, yeah, I yeah. Found blogs to be more fun than social media because it's man, it's great. Yeah. I had one, I've got one that's still floating out there. I think I deleted the email that I used for it, so it's just stuck there. It's called Train Nerd, and it's just photos of different trains. No, no graffiti on them. Just like... I, I think you posted yeah. something about yeah. that, did you? It's just like, you know... It's yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, just, just, just for fun. I did, I did heaps of blogging and stuff, but the, the publication thing is like, all right, if all the electricity stops in the world and we can't tap into all these things anymore, well, at least there'll be some of these hard copies around, you know? And you can always pull it back off the shelf and look. And they age good. All of them are... My whole thing with the, the publishing is it's time capsulism. It's like, it's better later. Like, it's not... It'll look way cooler in 100 years, I think. Hopefully, maybe. But... Uh, Do you so, mean because of the the the, the, the material... The, quality of the paper the type of paper it'll just for the fact that like those photos just probably won't be around or they wouldn't have been shared with anyone else and like that's those words that go with them haven't been put out there the paper as well just all, all of that stuff is like is is something the tangibility like it's it's kind of irreplaceable in my book but i i'm like i hate my fucking phone hmm and I love looking yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and being, you know, I get such just weirdly inspired through visual to seeing stuff and having mm. stuff to touch. And like, I just, the magazines were everywhere mm. not long ago. Yeah. And then you go in there, like I was in the news agents the other day. They're all still there, mm. well, a lot of them. But does, do you go in anyone's home? Do you have them stack? No. Nah. Nah. I still pick up mags. Like I, some of my mates do for sure, but it's like. There's, there's the environmental repercussion stuff. It, 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 there's a huge sort of push. It's, it, it comes from marketing. You know, it's all about clicks. These days, magazines and media outlets, they're not documenting as much as they are trying to appease an advertiser who needs a package. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, create some um, advertorial for you and you'll have this many impressions on Instagram. We're also on Facebook. We've got this website that gets this many clicks. And then the print ad is kind of like way down the track. Like magazines, magazines these days that still run generally, to my knowledge, don't make any money off the cover price. You know, like when they sell it for 15 bucks in the shop, they're not getting like a dollar back. It's just, that's all in shipping and printing and the, the news agency has to get their money and whatever. The money comes from all the other sides, you know, like, and, um, which I don't advertise any of my stuff, so it sort of has like a bit of a price tag on it. But I also, it's a, uh, so going from that, I did make those, I'll, I'll, I'll go back. Go back. So I was making those things for myself and I was like, all right, I'm going to make a mag. I looked around at that time and there wasn't really a Melbourne mag. There's always someone doing something in that, in that terrain, you know, a graffiti magazine or something. And they don't ever last for ages usually because people, it takes effort and it feels like it's a bit red hot too. Like you don't, you don't, I don't like juggling those kind of files too much, you know? So I did a graffiti magazine, six parts over the span of like five years or something like that. Four years. I can't even remember. And, um, that was called crunch time. And when I made that, I was like, um, selling it in shops and selling it in shops. I got to invoice them. 
I don't want to put like it's a graffiti magazine. So if the, they get asked by the police, who's where's this from? It looks back. So I'm like putting on my invoice like provisions of graphic design or like CDs or just random stuff because it, it was annoying to deal on that side. And then you know, and not because uh, they're vindicative, but like stores take all the profit margin completely. And I, I never did that for money. Like I, I was telling you something funny. I actually made like fifteen hundred bucks profit on the first issue of that graffiti magazine i'm like this is dirty money like i shouldn't be making money from graffiti what do i do no i didn't give it to a charity i (laughs) (laughs) i went to the the gold the greek fellas that own the gold the gold pawnbroker store on chapel street and just bought like the biggest gold chain that i could (laughs) did you really (laughs) yeah i'm like fuck it i lost it in indo on a surf trip so that's fine it's gone now (laughs) (laughs) you guys say you spend it on cans but no 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 gold chain i was like that's kind of like kind of fresh kind of hip-hop yeah and stupid did, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a pretty boss chain it was a good one back then yeah, yeah. Uh, i don't know if it'll get you much now gold's pretty expensive but um <laughs> it got to a few issues down it's like people weren't paying straight away stores are like oh yeah we'll take 10 copies and like you invoice them and it's like where's my money like three months later it's like where's my 100 bucks <laughs> like, it just like that was a headache not, not it wasn't a financial thing like I'm, oh, I'm losing money but it's like i don't want to be chasing this i don't even want to deliver it to them really like that's not to everyone and heaps of good stores stocked at good people's but it's just like this is like businessy i don't like it i couldn't be bothered with that part of it and, and um so i was like i need to sell this online but if i put it up as like the name of the graffiti magazine as a website then it's like, there he is, you know? So if anyone wanted to come to me, the law or whatever, it's beautiful. I love that. And um, that, uh, that'd be able to find me. So I'm like, I need to make like a decoy site, you know? And, I love uh, how like covert all this is. Yeah. So I just watched a movie um, and I, I love it. I, I watched it when it first came out, but it's called um, Bowfinger. It's Steve Martin, Eddie Murphy film. Say, it's yeah, off its yeah, head. Yeah. I, I won't go into explaining it. It is really quite a quite a great film especially from an acting and filmmaking standpoint you should if you need a refresher watch it i'm gonna re- i'll put it on my list name. because i i need a refresher it's it been ages so good and eddie murphy is a superstar in it and he goes he's got some closet demons going on he's going to what's a spoof of the church of scientology but it's called mindhead you know welcome to mindhead you know it sounds so familiar <laughs> yeah i've got to rewatch it yeah and uh I was like, oh, I was like, I need a name for this website. I'm like, I just watched it. I'm like, Mindhead. Yeah, like, cool. I had a couple ideas. I'm like, yeah, no, I'll stick with that. So, you know, mindhead.bigcartel.com. That got that. I'm like, I can't just put the graph mag in there because then it's obviously just that. So I made all these dummy publications. I made like um, one called The Ghosts of Stonington by Dusty Pete, I think it was. And I'd taken a photo of like an abandoned house and made this fake cover, you know, coming soon. Of, Stod- of Stottington. The, Stonington, the, 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 the municipality of where, where um, Chapel Street is, Pran. Yeah, okay, I can see it because I've had parking tickets. You know, yeah, yeah, they love that. You would have heaps of them. <laughs> They're onto it. I never drove when I lived there, so I didn't have to deal with it. But um, City of Stonington. Yeah. Oh, pricks. Fuck. <laughs> hey, fucking pricks. Uh, that was one of the dummy publications. I made one called Cutbacks, which is a surf magazine. And it said, I think it said, like, stoking the eternal grommet flame or something you know sold out Uh, like lost on earth you know um off the beaten track travel journal compilation you know conundrums blah 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 coming soon 
and crunch time, which was the name of the graph mag, you know, on sale here. So I was like, yeah, that's clever. So that way, like, if they look at it, <laughs> they're going to be like, well, I don't know what's going on here, but that's probably just another web store, you know? And, um, but from that, I had people message like, oh, when's that coming? Oh, do you still have copies of the Ghosts of Stonington? Yeah. Or like, <laughs> um, which was like, all right, cool. Um, maybe I could do that. I was kind of ra- like, I didn't want to do a graph mag forever. And I felt like I'd done enough and I don't like to flog a dead horse and other people. I wanted other people to sort of step up to the plate. I was trying to help some younger crew and giving them all the advice to get their thing going. And, uh, I didn't want to stop publishing. So I had that Mindhead web store just selling the graph mag for a couple of years, but then I did, I bought out Lost on earth was the next series that I made. Um, I did eight issues of it from, I don't know, 2000 and I don't know. I finished, I wrapped it up last year, but that initially was just going to be off the beaten track, travel stories, Bones 70K, who was on the run for 10 years, he took the photo of the, that was on the cover of the first one. Uh, It was like um, freight train hopping, travel, surf trips gone wrong, you know, boats sinking in the ments or um, people getting locked up. Did I hear a story of the guy that jumped off the ferry? Yeah, 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 yeah. My mate jumped off the uh, Queenscliff to Sorrento ferry off the roof. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Yeah, it was pretty lordish. Um, pretty lordish. My mate Willie, he's a king. Uh, yeah, you know, I basically I could be out and you'd hear stories. Mates would come back from a trip, and I mean, you know, you know what it's like. Mates come back and you you've been sitting around doing your thing, and they're like, "Oh, did all this crazy stuff happen?" You know? Yeah, it geez, you're up, right? Like, yeah, completely. Yeah. Oh man, I I I love it. I like. I mean, I'm I'm excited to delve in but Mm. i love that it's uh purely yours Mm. your and and you're celebrating it's almost just life really that's what it is yeah i mean the whole premise of the the lost on earth as a title it's not supposed to be like a dark thing it's just like we're all floating out here. We're all trying to make some sense of this physical existence. We're all fumbling through as much oh, as anyone oh, might. Oh, I've got my shit together. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, out except here for you, in buddy. The infinity, <laughs> I really got it together. So it's just <laughs> sort of like up. you know, celebrating some of those funny things, you know, like and 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 cataloging it as well because um, it fleets, it goes away, and it's like putting into those bound pages, even if it's small runs and stuff. It it'll be around later. I think it'd be pretty funny if. A future civilization might pick it up and be like, "What? What? What's going on here?" <laughs> you know, <laughs> what are all these trains? Yeah, and the rest. Um, these these days, like I've like I said, I like to keep the ball rolling and um, and change it up. So just just for that sort of refreshing feel, I've started a new series and just self titled it as Mindhead, and that's more like. Longer form conversation, artist interview, kind of a bit, it goes a bit deeper. It's not so haphazard. It's pretty concentrated. So, yeah, I mean, I'm really enjoying it. And so you got, you got a publication coming out. How, how many do you do a year? A quarter? Uh, don't sort of stick on any kind of a no. time frame. Just right. when I can. <laughs> yeah. Not when I can. It's like when I feel it or when, when, it, when it's possible. It permeates. Uh, yeah. So I've got a new one coming out that 
it's the second issue of the Mindhead publications, mainly artists' interviews, and it sort of uh, focuses on process and also like authentic practice kind of um no matter there's there's people in it from all sort of walks of life and ages maybe like eight artists i think are in there from graffiti through to bona fide graphic designers to full-blown fine artists and you know older and younger so and all at victorian base or you've got that's a good question i mean the last issue with the people in one 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 of them's in tokyo one's in london one's but I think oh, I don't have it in front of me right now. Mainly, I think one, all Australian in this coming up one. Yeah. Good on you, Aussie. Yeah, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But it's easy to reach out to. It's hard to speak on the phone to someone when they're in another country. But, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do yeah, stuff yeah. with a mate in Canada, and it's like we're backwards. Ah, it's uh, it's, yeah. it's nice. It's nice to highlight, you know, in a non. I don't know. The commercial world, and I'm not throwing stones at the commercial world, but it's so, uh, like, we're not lost on Earth. We mm. have our shit together here on Earth, yeah. and we all know what's going on, you know, and it's mm. really nice that I think that you're shining a light in, it's, like, uh, steeped in reality to me, mm. as opposed to... It's a centre point, for sure. I mean, it's unhindered, like, to... To take on advertising or for it to have a particular uh, commercial viable purpose means to kind of have to, um, it puts up walls and it hinders like, like bona fide creativity or openness. Like you, I have no, I have no one to answer to sort of thing. I mean, I probably do in the law's eyes, but I haven't had a problem with that. I'm not big enough. I think you're supposed to have publications potentially classified or I'm supposed to use ISBNs and that sort of thing, but I don't do that. But um, there's nothing overly subversive in any of them that would rattle anyone's feathers too heavily. But, yeah, it's just, it's pure. For me, it's a funny one because, like, I, like I said, I le- at the start, like, I left school because of failing English, you know. And um, not that I wasn't, I, I just, I wasn't into anything that like, we had to read when I was young. So I didn't get into reading and it made me think I wasn't good at reading. So I just didn't like reading that much. And when I wrote, I wrote in capitals, there was no computers. then, so I couldn't use the spell check. I'd get everything back with red strikes through it. Oh, you know, fuck. like, yeah, man. Yeah. It's so it randomly, weirdly down the line, I became an English teacher in Japan. And then I like, uh, became a magazine editor back in Australia. And now I do my own thing. And I was like, well, I've gotten so far away from this animation thing. I should have stuck with that maybe. Or like I can do this graphic stuff, but, you know, I've not done the right training. Or I can now I can write, but like I don't really want to write for anyone and people don't pay that well for general, you know, creative writing or whatever. In, in most fields, copywriting goes all right. But and when you say copywriting, is that? A commercial, like, advertising style copywriting. So is that, like, when you write a blurb for whatever the yeah. fuck, that tree out there? Yeah. And, but it's not, like, I write it and you check it as a copywriter or? No, people, like, it can be different, like, coming up with slogans and whatnot for brands or just, like, little, like, pieces for them to put with their advertising or just explanatory stuff. I'm, like I said, I'm not a qualified person. I don't know how I found myself in a position that I did work at a couple of magazines for a few years and was going overseas doing it. And, you know, yeah, thank yeah, God yeah. for the spell check. <laughs> 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 I just fumbled. Hey. And, um, it's, uh, 
Well, you speak from the heart. Yeah. And put it on, and if you're able to put that on paper, then usually I think that's quite compelling. Yeah. Well, for me, it's just, it's made me, doing this has made me settle with some of those things within myself. Oh, maybe I should have stuck with something. I don't live with any regret whatsoever, and I've made plenty of mistakes, but it's all come back. So, like, now, as much as I make publications because I want them to be tangible, I do use social media to, to spread the message that they exist. And I don't want to just post pictures of the books constantly. Like I'll make an animation, you know, and I'll write something. Or it's all of those different life kind of skills and all that energy I've put into so many things that sometimes at points I felt like reached a dead end. You know, animation became digital and my drawing sort of became redundant in some ways and Australian television just didn't really accept it as much as it used to. Didn't It wasn't seen as an art form anymore. It was just a you know, a message conveyor. It was motion graphic stuff. The Australian government used to to fund short films just for, you know, like art pieces. Like, And uh, and everyone used to go to the film festival, but now everyone looks online, so the government only funds things with potential future viability for commercial, you know, expansion to a Netflix series or something. They're not going to fund an art piece. So my little you know, 18 year old animation dream kind of like ran away from me, but now I get to use it for my own stuff. You know, I animate heaps of my promo stuff. And So you say most people are watching stuff online because like I just got, uh, the film just got shortlisted, um, for, um, uh, MDFF, the Melbourne yeah, yeah, Docu- yeah, yeah. yeah, and they emailed me just before, awesome. and they were like, "Would you?" They just said, "Can you fill in this questionnaire?" And one of the questions was, "Would you like an online release, or would you prefer a cinema release?" And I was like, "Well, cinema all Come day, on. yeah." Um, but if but just what, hearing what you just said, you, maybe people, anyway, whatever. I prefer a cinema. I feel I love that experience. But if the eyeballs are on are online, whatever. I, 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 I'll touch on that quickly, though, because like, I used to be in that world heats with the animation stuff and always buy my season passes for all the film festivals. It gets creatives through winter in Melbourne, but it's there's a community aspect of getting people together under the umbrella of showing your film that is irreplaceable. Um, you being in the audience and seeing people react to it is also really cool. The screen's big and you've got, like, massive sound. That's all cool. These things are really nice and, like, I think... Well, everyone has a shared experience. Yes. Yeah there's a communal communal energy yeah you know it's when you're watching online it doesn't take absolutely everything away from it but it does it's a different animal and um it's it's a bit of a balance of both like i'm not anti online or like even the phone thing i battle with but i'm like i get to communicate so much more freely than i could have ever as a younger person but with the film i i feel like yeah you get eyes on it online but man it's so cool to have yeah people together like humans you know together like even with the books i like to do a launch from time to time i haven't done one for a while i did one at revolver last year which was sick it was really good um but just to look around and see different people from different walks of life all hanging out like connecting under under something that's 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 nice you know that's a good thing that's community especially off the back of the last couple of years Mm. um it's going a little left field yeah but you just said how your drawings become sort of redundant now and with the digitalization of cartoons Mm. uh and how do you feel about where we're going to be pushed in the next 10 years with ai and i'm fascinated (laughs) yeah i'm fascinated 
uh, you know, I, I don't, I'm not overly plugged in. I don't really watch television. And when I'm online, I'm, I'm pretty much just um, communicating with people or I watch a bit of YouTube. I subscribe to some stuff. So I've got the blinkers on a bit. And when things pop up, like I've never tried to grasp what exactly is an NFT. It's like, I don't, I just don't, I know I don't care about it. So I won't give it energy. Not that I hate it. I just, it's not for me. Um, with the AI stuff, I think at the end of the day, that's a, that's a huge one. At the end of the day, like <laughs> if it's coming from um, a person, there's much more weight. And if people in general are willing to accept that it's not, it hasn't had a human kind of element whatsoever involved in it and they are appeased by that, then may something save us because like, yeah, we're, we are humans. Are, I don't know why we're here. You know, I don't know what consciousness is exactly. I don't know where we came from or where we're going to, but I know we're trying to go somewhere. This whole evolution, the curiosity thing. Um, it, we're on a trajectory. We're not in control of that. And there's no us and them. There's no one up the top in a weird building going, all right, let's make them all move forward. We're doing that. Like people are competitive. They're curious. And um, this digitization thing that's going on potentially is, is part of that re-evolution. You know, I feel as though, Maybe ages ago we were, it, when I say evolved, I don't mean better or anything. I just like from an origin or there's something we're learning here in this physical existence and that we still don't really understand anything, which, which, which makes me chuckle when people split hairs on stuff, you know, like something like racism. It makes like, I'm like, that's just, I don't, I don't really get it, but it's like, come on. That's a, you think that's not a human We're we're all, I've never met a non-human human. In my life. But the digitization thing is, wow, and the AI stuff, whoa, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I'm intrigued. Am I worried and scared? Probably not for myself, probably more for my kids, but that's just because it's instinctually I want to protect them. But, bro, like, download me. I, I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't... If AI can make, like, a Tarantino film that's, like, somehow just that little bit better or, you know, a, a David Lynch film and it's really that good... I don't know that I'd be able to palette it as myself, my learned self and my, my, my life experience in a way that I could connect with it as much knowing that it wasn't made by a human. Well, yeah, it's funny you say it because some friends of mine who, um, well, they're, they're fantastic artists and photographers mm. and they've really jumped down that rabbit hole. Yeah. And some of the images that they're showing, I don't connect to. As much as like if it was a photo that they took for themselves, which yep. I find completely beautiful and the, I know the effort that goes into going capturing that moment mm. and having the skill set to use the camera as such to do that, you know, and then, you know, I don't know, I just don't, I'm not, I'm not energetically connected to some AI generated art, even no. though it took skill to tell it to do that. <sighs> But if somebody's if somebody's going to be exploring it as opposed to pushing it upon us, if somebody who is from that sort of a background is exploring it, that's probably a better thing. And someone will like if you don't if no if the niche will always be filled. Like if there's something there to be done and the right people don't want to put their hand up and do it, then the wrong people will. So I don't know. I like I said, I've seen a couple. Like actually, you know where I saw something the other day it was one of the first things I'd really looked at. It was on Swellnet. And I don't even, I don't even, I don't know, what was the article about? Fine, I don't even know what the article, it might have been like a preview for the, the 
this, you know, the the forecast for the Bells Comp or something. Was a, I was looking at for that, but then I looked at something else, and it might have been that. But the images they used for it were AI generated, and I I didn't know that. And I was looking, and this lady's face was all like smudged, and her fin on her surfboard was like like kind of a wetty arm or something. Yeah, right. And yeah. I was like, what? Yeah, and I, was, I think yeah. there was a wheel on the board or something, and I'm like whoa, like, <laughs> they're going real crazy here. Like, they're, they're really bored, you know? Like, like someone's just going nuts in Photoshop here because like they want, like, because it's such a boring article, they're going to jazz it up with. And then I look and it's like, in the comments, it was like, don't you know, oh, what rock have you been under? This is Dale, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what? I didn't go much further with it, but I was like, oh, everyone knows. I don't, I don't know. I'm not going to be printing out one of Dale's images and putting it in my house. No, no, yeah. I, I, there is a saturation point that you get with certain imagery that, well, with surfing especially, because it's just 24-7 social media. Mm-hmm. You, you know, when we're kids looking at pictures in, in, in surfing life, and you'd be like, oh, my God, yeah. fuck. That one magazine keep you going for a year. Yeah, completely. Easily. Yeah, one VHS tapes, your whole romanthood, that's fine. Yeah. Cut out bits, stick it on your wall. Like oh, yeah. there's imagery that's just stuck in my mind. Yeah, yeah. And then, but now I, you see it so much. I, I I've lost that stoke for it, mm. and it's purely saturation. Yeah. And it's that's social media's done that for me on many levels. Like I can't appreciate unless like if I I, I wish I had gone to McSally's opening the other night. But when you see a picture on a wall, yeah, and it's there then i can appreciate it again mm. or something you didn't 100 percent. i go to yeah, but I, this is the same as your magazine yeah i go to shows often a lot of my mates are artists and there's you know i don't feel obliged i i used to go to all the openings to show face and also for a bit of the um for a bit of the community and socializing side of it but now i took a while to realize that hey i didn't get to see anything and i had like a million half conversations and like i'm exhausted and now i still haven't seen the show so i always go like when it's not like mix things on just walk in there uh yeah just yeah, go yeah. check it out it's, yeah. it's a you get your own space and you can really have a good squeeze and have a bit of quiet time with it it's good i go as often as possible to um to shows, galleries, and whatnot, which I'm finding. I mean, I had that talk with Simon um, about it the other day. It's like funny if you go to the NGV, they there's not much, there aren't many hands in there anymore. There's a lot of like manufactured art or projection or CNC cut or you know um, computer generated. Even I think I went to the like Triennale exhibition last year or the year before, and there was there was no painting. There was it was all like made like machine made stuff. So that's kind of a bummer, but in, in regional and small galleries and spaces and in our houses, like this is, this is it, you know, even like with that, it's, it's just what we're trying to hold on to what you and me are sort of romanticizing about here or, or, or talking about. It's just being human still. And it's that being able to connect with something that someone's put some energy and effort and heart into and, and being around, people to enjoy it same with the viewing of like a a film in a cinema versus online when someone's clicking a button well it's the same as getting it one of your friends around here to make your surfboard or getting a pop out mate i can i can't can't, yeah you know i've got you know both Mm. and 
both serve different purposes, but every time I put one under my arm that's made by a friend, mm. has a completely different energetic and good feeling. Totally. Yeah. I think that's a beautiful thing. That's, yeah. That's, yeah, that, I sort of don't look around outside of that. Who's, a, who, you know, like I get my boards from Sharma and I love it. I love the process and that they're coming. It's not even like I'm trying to support or anything like that. It's just like, I don't know why I'd even consider that instant gratification of a starchy white DHD or something when I could go and have like these proper meaningful chats and hangs and he knows how I surf because he sees me. It's like, uh, like he know he knows the area. So what waves are going to, it, yeah, it, it yeah. goes on and on. And it's, I know, that's, I know. it's a beautiful I, thing. I, yeah. Look, I a hundred percent get it. And mm. I, Part of me, like I've got a fair few charms and I love them, and I, mm. you know, love all, a lot of my, you know, a lot, a lot of our friends shape, and they're all they're all great. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the the I feel like if I had more money, I would be able to because I, I can get some of those shiny ones. They're mm. not not shiny, but the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, a bit cheaper. And you know, I'm trying to save as much money as possible at the end of the day, and for just a bread and butter board. Mm. That's just go and get the job done. Yeah. It's not a special board. It's mm. a board that I know is going to die in the next, you know, one to four months. Sure, sure. I can throw them away a bit easier. Yeah. So in that way, that there is room in, in the, the world for everything, including AI. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a wrap up. <laughs> Bang. <laughs> do, with that with you, will you, do with that what you will. <laughs> <laughs> nah. No, it's a, we don't know what's going on. It is, it's a, it's a great and interesting journey and sometimes it's filled with fear and, and sometimes it's filled with hope. I don't know. I'm, I'm just going through it. Hey, same as yourself, same as all of us. Who isn't, you know, like who's, who, like I said, who's got well, it Well, not everyone can admit it and yeah. I, I could definitely say that I'm going through it. Yeah. You know, but I, you know, wouldn't have it any other way. No, definitely not. Come on. Like what, what, what are we searching for? Like I said, as a, as a real little kid, I would have, I mean, forget about there's no into space, that kind of thing. I used to be like, oh, I've got ribs inside me. Well, like this heart is just beating and if it stops, I'm going to die. Or like I never will stop breathing. What if I stop breathing when I'm like, you know, like, like all those things, like just that even primal curiosity or like complete like uh, realization was polar. Like it was, it snapped my mind, you know, all that stuff. So from that sort of those sleepless nights as a preschool, like I've sort of had to like part of my, uh, I don't know if maturing is the word. I'm definitely not mature. Part of my growing is to like relinquish some of that and just be like, I'm not going to know. That's cool. I'm I'm at peace with knowing that I'm not going to know. So what can I do today? Like, you know, what, what's out there for me? How How can, how can I, enjoy myself or interpret something or learn something or connect some people or help someone or whatever. Well, that's it. The impermanence, man. Like it's mm. not going to always be like yeah. it is today. It's flying. There's people who won't be around tomorrow that are around today, you mm. know, and if we brush these moments by. Yeah. What the fuck? You know, I don't, I don't want to live in regret, even though I don't always get it right. No. And the same as like, sometimes I want to press the fast forward button, but generally I, I don't, you know? Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I don't because it's like every year I feel my body tightening up a little bit. Yeah. It's like, I go to, man, are you still doing yoga? <sighs> no. I'm, I'm like, I was too sore to do yoga. Hey, 
You what? Too sore. I, my back's cooked. But yeah. Lower nah. back? Yeah, yeah. But I've got some proper issues. Old disc? I went. I it disappeared a couple of years ago. Blew it out surfing. The disc? Yeah, like fully, completely herniated. And so I got bone on bone going. That's why I'm a kook. <laughs> so is this <laughs> disclaimer? Did, did, what? No, you're not. No, not at all. But is this like what? Um, so do you on a daily maintenance before a yeah, surf? Because I, I, yeah, I, I do stabilizations. I do core core strengthening exercises. You know that I've learned in my journey with this back problem, which is predated the actual like complete blowing out of it. But I um um basically have have pain, but know that that's actually I can deal with that because I know it's actually not damaging anything. It's just pain. Pain is pain. Uh, and to stay strong. Yeah. Like, don't listen to a doctor that says, here, take all these drugs and never, ever stand up or sit down or lie down or lift anything or do anything again in your life. Don't don't listen to them. Listen to the to the doctor who's going to be like, you know. You know who is good is um, Ross from... A yoga he's like uh he's like yeah 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 he's just like chin up chest out you're young you're healing you're all good don't worry about it sort of thing you get through and um i love that chin up chest out i actually have passed that on to quite a few people even when they don't have a sore back they're going through something else yeah it's just such a beautiful thing to say to people because it's often you know you got your you're sunken and your, yeah, your yeah, chin's yeah. down it's all we need to do is open up a bit and you know lift yourself you know, you, you got to lift yourself. You can't be expecting everyone else to do it. So No, it's an inside job. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, nah, I'm good. It's um, it's a limiter when it gets freezing here. You know, like when we get to the, sort of the August water. Yeah, it's hard, right? It's a problem and I haven't worked out how to, like, how to exactly fix that. Like, I feel like I'm crawling up on my board by that time of year. Yeah. Um, when I'm in warm water, if I go up to Goldie or window or something, I'm, I feel like it grommet, like I feel fine. So that's like... It's crazy. Yeah. But I don't want to leave here. I, I really want to stay here. I feel very much um, at home here. I don't know if it's from, like I said, my very excited family coming down here so much during the 50s, 60s, and they're just really connected and we're spending so much of my youth around here. But there's a certain calm and, um, like I said, a really, really, like, I feel really, even regardless of whether a phone's around or not, I feel way more at peace around these cliffs, around this water. The further I go, you know, like, I love the whole coast, like, going white Kennet, Polo, mm. down all the way, you know, to SA sort of thing. It's it's special here. So, I, I don't want to leave, even if it is freezing. I like that it gives you that bit more grit or something to have to work through, but... Yeah, yeah. I've avoided surgery, and I'm going to do that for as long as possible. I was talking to someone about that. Yeah, a mate of mine last night rang because uh, he'd done his other knee, and he was asking me I had a similar injury, and he was like borderline under the knife. Mm. And I just think, fuck, if you don't have to, don't. You know, no. like it's fucking being cut open is. I don't think no, it's, it should be the last option. Ben Day held off forever, and he had the same the same disc was the issue that he had, and uh, he eventually like did it like he had a particular kind of surgery done. Riders Rain, he's great. I mean, he does a lot of maintenance. He's he does the yoga nonstop, and yeah, uh, but he it fixed him. Like what it, classes does Ben Day? Do you what, know what days he goes? 
I, I don't know. I mean, forget. when I was talking, it was quite a while ago. I think it was Thursday evenings. The but Thursday evening. He'd be yeah. around. I don't know. He's he's definitely still doing it. I know that. Yeah. I feel guilty for not, um, because I know I probably should be, but I just haven't. I've been doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I yeah. mean, I haven't either. Yeah, I haven't either. You know, Ross has injured himself. Yeah, which is a fucking drainer for him. Mm. Um, Ollie, we're about two hours, and I just want to say thank you. Hey, Johnny. Cheers for having me, man. Dude, no, let me say this. Yeah, we're a bit all over the shop, but yeah. No, I think it's great, and I love all over the shop, and I like that it... Uh, but I do want to say thanks, because when I proposed this idea to you, you were like, I, I don't think I ever wanted to do a podcast. Mm. And yet you you stood into the, the, the shadows. YOLO. YOLO. <laughs> <laughs> I've been hit up a few times, and sorry to the people, if anyone listens to this, that I said no to, but yeah, that... There are a few things that came into play that made me realise that I should do this particular one. So, yeah, thanks so much for having me, Johnny. Awesome, Ollie. Thanks. Okay, well, there you have it. There was my chat with none other than Ollie Giorgio. I hope you uh, enjoyed our chat as much as I enjoyed having it with him. Um, now, don't forget to jump onto mindhead.bigcartel.com. Get yourself some merch. Get a magazine. Help support ollie um it's great stuff like great quality it's it's off the hook ollie it's it's i love it man love it love what you're doing um and for anyone else in the world uh i hope you're inspired or have enjoyed or found something you know interesting within our chat anyway um until next time be well uh you know try your best to not let life get you down i can do it i can do it i can go there i can like that you know they say let the turkeys get you down some days um you know it's like what the fuck man like I, you know it's a struggle so if you feel that too just keep on marching just keep on marching um yeah until next time be good adios